0: I want to draw your attention tonight to two openings of Scripture. One is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. The other is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. You know, the uh, the Bible tells us of uh, 19 individual cases of healing that took place, or healing events that took place in Jesus' ministry, three years of ministry. And many of the Gospels' uh, uh, writers refer to the same story, so it seems to us like there's a lot more of them than 19, but there are 19 individual cases excuse me that doesn't count the times where the multitudes were healed or groups or uh, anything like that but just different uh, individuals or two people at the most Um, doesn't count the ten lepers for example but anyway it says of those nineteen individual cases of healing that almost three-fourths of them were healed on their own faith nearly 75% of the nineteen cases that the Bible tells us about either speak to directly, specifically, the faith of the individual. For example, Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. So we know that that's credited to her own faith. And then there are other situations included in that 75% where faith is alluded to but not specifically identified. We can see faith in action. We can see people's faith being put to work by the things that they did or what they said or whatever. Well... Most people in the church world think that Jesus went about healing because he was the son of God. Well, if Jesus healed because he was the son of God, what need would there be for faith on the part of the individual? If Jesus is just indiscriminately healing because God sent him to the earth to show people that he can do miracles, then why would it be necessary for there to be faith on the part of the individual? Faith is something that, uh, well, uh, unfortunately... Not a lot of people seem to understand, because faith is a contradiction of that which we can see and feel in many cases. Now the Bible says that we should understand this thing called faith. Second Corinthians five seven says, "For we walk by faith and not by sight." That's quoted from the Old Testament. It's uh, referred to several times throughout the Old Testament. The New Testament quotes it as well. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I want you to notice what it says. It says that faith and sight, now sight just stands for uh, your five physical senses. It doesn't just mean what you can see. But it means the things that this physical realm, natural realm provides to us, information that it provides to us. And I hope you understand that everything that we know from a physical standpoint, everything that we know from an intellectual standpoint, all the universities, all the, the learning and teaching and scholarly work and everything else that's done here on the earth all that information comes from the five physical senses well when the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight it's contrasting faith with the things that your the information that your five physical senses provides for you so the Bible says that we should walk not according to our five physical senses but instead this thing called faith now Hebrews eleven one defines what faith is It says now faith Which is the opposite of the things you can see and feel Now faith is the substance of things hoped for It's the evidence of things not seen Have you ever noticed that so many times Our five physical senses robs us of hope Most of the time when the the enemy Wants to bring attention to the things that are going on around you What you can see what you can feel, what the doctor has said about your situation or whatever the case is. So much of that is designed to steal hope from you. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, the things that you can hope for, faith will get substance to it. You have a hope for healing, but the physical circumstances dictate And reveal that sickness has attached itself to your body. You may have gone to the doctor and the doctor may have said there's nothing we can do for you. Your case is beyond any help. Well the Bible says that faith can give substance to the healing that you hope for. But remember the Bible identifies that faith is the opposite or contrary to what we can see and feel. So Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, there's a verse of Scripture in First Peter, First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. No need to turn there because I'm going to pull a verse out of context here where Peter is talking about rejoicing in the hope of salvation, rejoicing in what Jesus has done for us, although you may be in the middle of a hard place right now enduring temptations and trials and afflictions and so forth but then he says this he says concerning the trouble and the afflictions that we find ourselves so often he says the trying of your faith is more precious than gold the trying of your faith now what is the trying of your faith come down to in experience as far as our experience is concerned the trying of your faith is very simple the holding on to the truth of what God has promised. In spite of what you can see and feel. Now I don't know about you. But most of the times I don't think of adversity and trouble. And, and the attacks of the enemy. As being more precious than gold. That's not my first thought. Most of the time I'm trying to alleviate those. Or get them to stop. Or do whatever I can to get out of it. But from God's standpoint. God's standpoint. From a spiritual standpoint, the contest between the information provided from your five physical senses and holding fast to the truth of the word, the struggle between those two, according to the Bible, is more precious than gold. We try to avoid those temptations. We try to avoid those conflicts. But the Bible says it's more precious than gold. Now, why would God say something like that? You know as well as I do that a lot of people fall to the attack of the enemy. And the enemy attacks all of us the same way. He brings physical evidence to us to contradict the word. He causes circumstances to come to our attention to question or to raise doubts about what god has said if you're believing for healing then he'll make sure that you are aware of every pain and he'll give you an explanation for every pain he'll tell you that things are getting worse he'll tell you a headache is a brain tumor he'll do whatever he can to magnify the circumstances and to attach a meaning to it that contradicts the word Many Christians fall to that temptation. Many Christians turn loose of what God has said and succumb to the circumstances. In other words, they walk by sight instead of faith. Well, if God knows that many people are going to fall, then why would the contest between what you believe and what you can see be more precious than gold? There's only one way that that can be true, folks. And that is for the word of God to have the power resident within to overcome any and every attack of the enemy. There's a, um, uh, there's a simple thought that I've been mulling over and has been stirring over and over again on the inside of me all afternoon. And that is this. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I want to give you an example. Let's say that I'm in a crowd of people. And somewhere in that crowd of people, I smell that someone is wearing perfume. I may even recognize the brand. Maybe it's Chanel Number 5. Not that eau de toilette stuff, but that real expensive stuff that comes in thimble-sized bottles. Now, I don't see a bottle anywhere. I didn't see anybody putting any on. I want you to understand that your five physical senses work independently of one another. So what I see contradicts what I believe to be true because of what I smelled. Should I allow the lack of physical evidence in my sight realm or the sense of sight deter me from what I know to be true from what I smelled? Well you may I may say something to you about it. I may say somebody here is wearing Chanel number 5 and you may give me good reasons why they, that couldn't be or shouldn't be the case. You may say pastor Mike this is a group of young people. There's nobody in this room's got the money for Chanel number 5, the good stuff. Am I going to let that talk be out of what I know to be true? My point is very simply this. If I know what I know because of what I smelled in spite of the fact that I can't see any evidence, in spite of the fact that I can't feel anything, I certainly didn't hear any being sprayed, and I can't taste it. Would I doubt the sense of smell because the other four senses don't agree? Would I allow someone's reasoning about whether or not we would expect someone to have the means to wear that perfume that I smell? To talk me out of it? No. And the reason for that, the reason why, is because I would feel like my belief that someone was wearing that particular type of perfume was grounded and founded on sufficient evidence to reject the lack of the other senses confirming what I think is true. Faith is like a sixth sense. It's a spiritual sense, and in the same way, if we take what the Bible says, if we take the promises of God, for example, the Bible says, and this is not a promise, this is a statement of fact, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes, were healed, just because we can't see any evidence of that, why should that deter us from believing to, be, to believing to be true what the Bible says? Just because we can't hear anything that confirms it, hear with our natural ear something that confirms it, why should that talk us out of the truth of what God said? Just because we can't see it or feel it or hear it or taste it or even smell it, why should that take away from the sixth sense, the spiritual sense of faith? When the Bible says that faith has the greatest foundation that there is. Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, folks, the simple truth is. If you've got God's word on it. You should expect the devil to try to con- uh, The devil to, to bring this conflict. Between your senses and what you believe. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. And there's no reason to try to run from the conflict. We should expect it because this is the way the devil works. But what, does our, what do our five physical senses have to do with what we believe? The Bible says it has nothing to do with it. Because faith, Bible faith, real faith, is based on the one unchanging thing in the universe and that's God's word. Now we can understand that in a natural sense. I mean, that uh, example with the perfume makes sense to us, doesn't it? Well, then why do we have such a hard time accepting the truth from from a spiritual sense? Knowing that faith is that spiritual sense. That it doesn't matter if your five physical senses agree with it or disagree with it. It has the strongest foundation of truth that there is in existence. Now turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. The devil wants us to get all stirred up because we don't see what we believe to be true. Because we don't feel like what the word says to be true is true in our case. And if we don't yield to that, if we don't, take his bait and accept what he says based on your five physical senses which can change from moment to moment, feelings which can change from moment to moment, circumstances which change continually. If we don't accept or get pulled in to his temptation to accept that, he knows that what the Bible says is true that we can defeat him every time. Now, Mark chapter 11, Jesus is talking about faith. He's explaining how he cursed the fig tree. Or let's say it this way. He's explaining to us how to change in circumstances in your life. Because that's what the fig tree represents. It represents a hindrance, an obstacle to the way he, Jesus, as a human being, the son of man, knows God intended for things to be. God never made any tree to be unfruitful. He never made any person to be unfruitful. And this tree is a slap in the face to what God intended. It's it's, it's, Its very existence is in contrast and in contradiction to what God intended when he created trees. So he curses the fig tree. Now, when he curses the fig tree, you can't see any evidence that anything has happened until the next morning. The disciples pass by there again, and they see the fig tree dried up from the roots, from the inside out, not from the outside in. And see, that's the way the devil wants you to get to, that's the way he wants you to look at things. He wants you to look for things from the outside in. Because from the inside, you can't see things that are going on on the inside. So he wants to bring attention to the fact that nothing's changed on the outside and tell you that that means nothing is working. Do you realize that's impossible? If God's word is true and Jesus told us the truth when he said, you can have what you say. Do you realize that if you have spoken the word of healing based on the truth of God's word, based on the scripture, do you realize it's impossible for it not to work? Smith Wilkersworth used to go into meetings, church meetings, and take some of the hardest cases in town. Almost dare the devil to bring him a tough case. And there would be times where people, because of their own experience, they knew people in their town. They knew how long the people had been in their condition of sickness or disease or whatever the case was, crippled. In many cases, whatever people had become accustomed to, people being in that condition, to the sick being in that condition, and they had been prayed for before many times, and those prayers hadn't produced anything, and so there was uh, there was one meeting in particular. It was not an uncommon occurrence, but there was one meeting in particular that Brother Wigglesworth was reported. Somebody wrote down what happened. where he went into this place and there was a person that was uh, that was crippled and had been crippled for a long long time I don't know if they were born that way or whatever but it was a middle aged person who was crippled and Wigglesworth had already laid hands on and ministered to people and gotten them healed and it wasn't the first night that this person came it was later on in the meeting and so there was a, a great result glorious result people were excited about what God was doing but on the night that this person came to the meeting and you know, other people had to bring him in of course and help them and set him in the front and so forth the way that it happened was that they came in a little bit late and so Wigglesworth was preaching doing what he's supposed to do and people became distracted because they came in late and when everybody turned and looked and saw who it was Wilgersworth realized he had lost the whole crowd so he just stopped preaching waited for them to come down to wherever they were going to sit toward the front off to the side because they were in a crippled condition they had to move some chairs around and make a place for them and that kind of thing sometimes that takes time chairs are clattering and different things like that's going on He's just standing there patiently waiting. And so after they got situated, Wigglesworth said, all right, back to the message. And he, he went on and started preaching again, but he still lost the crowd. He hadn't regained their attention. Everybody's looking, watching over there, seeing what's going to happen on that side and so forth. Wigglesworth went on for another couple of minutes and realized that he's going to have to do something about this. So he just stopped. And he asked some questions, and he said, who is this person over here? He's talking to the crowd. He's not talking to the individual yet. He's talking to the crowd. He said, who is this person over here? And people, you know, weren't so quick to speak up, but finally somebody does. Well, this is so-and-so, and and they've been in this town for 35 years, and they've been crippled all that time. They've been prayed for over and over and over again. People just told him the whole story so then he stopped and he said he looked over to where the person was and he asked them a couple of questions he asked them if they knew jesus he asked them if they believed the word and they started making some excuses well yeah i believe the word but i've been prayed for before giving him all the reasons why it might not work have you ever noticed people want to make sure that they cover themselves real well Yeah, I believe the word but. And so anyway, Wilkersworth was kind of rough about the situation. He called them out for what they said. And he he questioned them, asked them if they were doubting the truth of God's word, if they were doubting that God was who he said that he was, and the word was the truth, true word of God. And so he, he kind of straightened them out a little bit. And then he went back to the crowd and he laughed and he said now he said I'm going to minister to this person and they're going to be healed and the whole crowd just kind of took a deep breath and gasped and Wigglesworth started laughing and he said what's the matter with you people do you think God's not going to honor his word do you realize it's impossible for God not To honor his word. He said all we've got to do is get this person over here to believe. And he said that's easy. So he went over to where they were. Talked to him a little bit individually. Gave him a couple of scriptures. Got him to agree with the scriptures. Within just a matter of a few minutes he had him walking around the room. Completely and totally healed. I love that story because that rings true in me I keep hearing that over and over do you think God's not going to honor his word because see that's everything the devil's got the only attack the devil has is to make you question whether or not God will make good on his word if you know that it's impossible for him not to then walking by faith becomes easy well, Jesus curses the fig tree, Mark chapter 11. The disciples question him about it. Master, look, the fig tree you cursed yesterday is withered away. The Bible says it's dried up from the roots, dried up from the roots, from the inside out. And Jesus explains how it happened. He senses, he, he understands, that there's an implied question, there's not one asked. But there's an implied question about how did you do that, I guess. Because he explains how he did it. He says in verse 23, Verily I say unto you, That means truly, truly, this is the way that it is. Verily, verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but believe. Well, if he's talking about doubt in his heart, Must be talking about believing in his heart. Now, what does believing with the heart mean? Believing with the heart means to believe independent of your five physical senses. What is doubting of the heart? Doubt in the heart means to believe or be moved by what your five physical senses tell you. So Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, shall not be moved by his five physical senses. Or we can say it this way. Shall not walk by sight, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus is saying very simply this if you walk by faith, you'll have what you say. If you walk by faith and not by sight, you'll have what you say. Then he says in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, because this principle of faith works, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. What things soever you desire. What things soever you desire. Do you desire a well body? Well, that would be included in the things you could desire, wouldn't it? Do you desire finances to pay your bills? Well, that would be included in the things that you could desire. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, the things that you desire. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now I want you to notice verse 24 is a progression. He's talking about identifying what you desire. He's talking about praying. He's talking about what to believe when you pray. And he's talking about what will result afterwards he's talking about a progression it's a progression of events it's a time progression decide what you desire what things soever you desire this is healing school so we we'll use healing for an example If you desire healing for your body if you desire the removal of cancer or any other kind of disease when you pray when you pray at the time of prayer Believe that you receive them, meaning healing for your body, in this case, and afterward you shall have them, healing for your body. Them, meaning the things you desire, in our example, healing for the body. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. By definition, Jesus is saying that healing, we'll use that, continue to use that for our example. Jesus is saying by definition that healing exists in two forms. Your healing exists in two forms. First, in an invisible form. Because if it doesn't exist in an invisible or in invisible form or in the spirit realm, whichever way you're more comfortable saying it, if it doesn't exist there, then you can't believe that you receive it. To believe you receive means to accept that something is true, even though you can't see it and feel it. See, if you want to be free from the devil in your life, you're going to have to believe that Jesus has already made you free from the devil so that you can believe you receive it. And here's where so many people get tripped up because the devil will always talk about what God's going to do or what he's not going to do as opposed to what he's already done you'll never find the devil talking to you about what Jesus has done he'll always try to get you to push healing out in the future well now you believe God's going to heal you not me I believe he already has See, if you're looking for God to do something, that means the finished work of Jesus on the cross wasn't sufficient. It's going to take something, something else, something extra. But the whole reason Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father is because the work is finished. So healing exists first in an invisible form. That's why it's so important for us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. See, once you see it, which is the second way that healing exists, the second form in which healing exists, the first being an invisible form, the second is is in a visible form or position. That's what Jesus says will result. If you believe that you receive healing in its invisible form, Accomplished, finished, but unseen, then you shall have it in visible or physical form. That's what he did with the fig tree. He spoke to the fig tree in visible words, believing that those invisible words had power, and he got the result that he desired, the result that he spoke. The fig tree dried up from the roots. Jesus is showing us what walking by faith really looks like. You speak to the problems, and the problems change. You speak to the circumstances, and the circumstances change. Now, when we've got the word of God for it, and we do when it comes to healing, we certainly do. Many different scriptures show us that healing was accomplished. Jesus took literally physically and spiritually took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. There was a moment in time, a real day. This is not some fairy tale stuff, folks. It's not some fable. There was a real day, just as real as the day that we're living in now. Where Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for sin and sickness. And the price that he paid for sin and sickness was sufficient to provide forgiveness of sins to anyone who accepts him as their Lord and Savior and healing for anyone who accepts him as the healer of their bodies. The same work was accomplished at the same point in time. That's why we're able to believe that we receive healing before we can see it that's why we're able to believe that we receive healing and then have it afterwards when do we believe we receive it well I believe when I see it in my body Pastor Mike well that won't work that's not the faith that Jesus describes when do we believe we receive our healing before we have it have it means to see it in visible form visible or physical form When we believe we receive it, it being healing, we're saying that healing is just as true even though we can't see it as we will accept it to be when we can see it. And that's what walking by faith and not by sight is all about. Folks, don't let the devil talk you out of what you believe. I believe that it's more important This is a hard saying and it's difficult to live up to for us, me included. But I believe it's more important for us to face these circumstances, these situations, these temptations. Stare them right in the face and say what God's word says than to never be tempted or attacked with sickness and disease. That's why the Bible says the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. Because God knows you have everything necessary to defeat any and every attack of the enemy. Don't let your five physical senses dictate what you believe. Don't let the devil's attack, doubt, and fear, which is what he always brings. Don't let doubt and fear rob you of the truth of God's word. It's your choice. You can either choose to believe according to what the word says, or you can choose to believe according to what your five physical senses tell you. Or as we sometimes say, according to what you see and feel. The Bible says, Jesus said, the Bible gives us a record of it. Jesus said that if you believe you receive healing, you shall have healing. It's absolute. It's guaranteed. You shall have it. Believe it in invisible form first. And then see it in physical form. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege to walk by faith. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes we are healed. Therefore, we believe in our heart and say with our mouth. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. We believe we receive our healing father. Even though we can't see it. Even though we can't feel it. We believe we receive our healing. And we thank you that according to the words of Jesus. He said. Of a certainty. That we shall have it. Mr. Devil. We serve notice on you. We'll not be moved by what we see will not be moved by what we feel. We will be moved only by what we believe. And we believe God's word. Thank you, Father, for making your word good in our lives. For seeing to it that we have it. Or as James said, that you will raise us up. Thank you for making it so. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody that agrees with that. Say amen. 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 You're bigger on the inside than you look on the outside. The devil knows that. He knows you've got the power of God at your disposal. He knows his only hope is to try to move you off of it. To distract you with circumstances. To move you off of the word of God. Don't let him do it. Go into every contest with him knowing that you've got the upper hand, not him. Knowing you've got the unchanging, eternal word of God and the power in the name of Jesus working on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. We appreciate you coming to be with us. Why don't we, start, why don't we end with a confession? Say this after me. According to God's word, Jesus took my infirmities, and bore my, bore my sicknesses. I believe, I, believe, I, receive, I receive, healing. healing. Now. now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. And according to Jesus, according to Jesus, He said, I shall have it. He said, I shall have it. Amen. 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 God bless you.